Hello, Acapella Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Talk Acapella. It's a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm your host, Brian Alexander. Tonight, we have some very wonderful and special guests joining us. And I feel like I have to preface this by saying in acapella and as well as with music, everyone has their unique interests and styles and types of music that they're into. You know, some people are into country, some people are into rock, some people are into pop. That kind of just separates us and it's a little bit different at times. But even in the midst of our differences, one thing we can agree on is we all love Disney music. I don't think I've met anyone in my life who has just kind of had some kind of disdain or dislike for Disney music. If I did, you know, I wouldn't be friends with them. But that being put aside, I say that because our guests tonight are members, as well as former members of a very special group. They are members of Tufts University's Enchanted, which is a Disney-focused acapella group. And I'm so excited to be speaking with them tonight. We have Mitch Shapiro-Albert, Orlando Economos and Jessica Wong. How are you all doing tonight? Doing great, Good. Brian. Awesome, awesome. And I hope I didn't build that up too much, but can you agree that most people you come in contact with just like, oh yeah, Disney, that's my jam right there. I think everybody's yeah. got some piece of Disney that they hold near and dear to their heart. Right. A lot of them don't even realize, but absolutely. Right, and, and I love it because on your, your website, you mentioned the nostalgia aspect of it, and that's what it is, you know, it just takes you back. As soon as those, those harmonies come in, as soon as those arpeggios, it's just beautiful. And so I'm so looking forward to tonight's discussion. I want to start here by saying that for me, I believe that one of the great things about acapella music is that a single group can expose an audience or fans to like a myriad of music styles. But this can sometimes also be like a double-edged sword because some might have a connection to a certain genre while others may not. But it's in this idea specifically that it's easy to fall in love with a group such as Enchanted. Simply for that fact, we all have that connection to Disney music. And so my first question, where did that idea come from and how did each of you find your way to the group? Well, I guess I should cover, you know, kind of the origins of the idea since I was there at the founding. I was not the sole founder. There were two other members involved, Praz Prakasa and, and Eddie Fuller, who helped us get the group off the ground. Praz came to me and, and suggested starting an acapella group. And, you know, I figured there were already several other acapella groups on campus. I asked him, you know, we need a need our niche. What's our thing going to be? Right. And he said, we're only going to sing Disney music. I don't know <laughs> why that was his idea, but immediately I was on board. I was like, that sounds like a great idea. Honestly, I can't see any reason to say no. Wait, you and didn't have it, any opposition or hesitation to him saying that? Nope, zero. I was like, why not? You know, freshman year of college, time to kind of just experiment, try things out. Somebody comes to you and says, I want to start a Disney acapella group. You say, sure, I'll start helping why you not? draft the constitution. <laughs> and here we are, whatever, seven years later. Oh man, that is awesome. Orlando, you mentioned that you were one of the founders, correct? Yes. Awesome. So I did want to clarify. So Orlando is one of the founders of the group. We have Mitch as the current president, and then we have Jessica, who's a recent alum. And so I'm curious for now that- Former music director. Oh, sorry, my bad. Are you the longest tenured music director for Enchanted ever? Were you, did you have the longest run? I think, yeah, because I started in fall of 2017 when I was a sophomore and ended senior year, which was just this past graduating class. So three years. I think I, I was the longest tenured music director. That is an impressive run for sure. 
No, no, I'm, I'm thinking about my time with different groups and, you know, especially my collegiate group. And I think we had the same music director for two years and then each year that followed, it was a different director. So that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. So for Jessica and uh, Mitch, what about you two? How did you find your way? Yeah, so for me, I think Tufts has a lot of different acapella groups. And I think something that's really cool about all the groups at Tufts is that each group is like very unique to the point where we have, we have a lot of niche groups. For example, we have Shira Peel who sings Jewish acapella. And then we have Full Sound, who's a Chinese acapella group. And so Enchanted being a Disney acapella group wasn't really even like a shocker to me. I was like, just, that's really cool. And I think for me, Disney music is really interesting because it spans so many genres for example you have really classic disney like you have snow white and you have cinderella and all these super nostalgic well-known songs from everyone's childhood and then you have the more like modern bops like you have teen beach movie and you have high school musical and really things that can resonate with every generation and so i thought that was really cool yeah that's why i decided to try out for enchanted awesome yeah and i love that aspect of variety because you know it's so easy to just to kind of group all disney music together but even in there there's just so much variety I'm like it has that feel I think that's what connects it for me personally is just the feel that it gives you but I I love that you talked about the variety of it so that's really cool and then of course Mitch how about yourself how did you join the group yeah I joined the group when I was a freshman so that would be two years ago now and I came into college knowing I really wanted to keep singing I couldn't fit necessarily a choir class into my actual academic schedule. So that pushed me towards looking at extracurriculars. I had never done acapella before, but I had sung in high school chamber choir and had really enjoyed it. And I've always loved to sing. And so I remember, and Jess was there for this story, but I came to college and I was pretty homesick. I had a rough first week as I think a lot of people do and so Tufts put on puts on a big orientation show they do a whole lot of them and there's always an acapella orientation show but we have form at this big show and so that's the one that almost the entire and so they sort of had that feeling of nostalgia and I felt so much better listening to them and their music and their singing and I knew they were really talented after they had finished performing I actually ran to catch up with S and with another alumni of the group who was performing in that show and I went up to them and I was like I really loved your set I've been feeling so homesick but hearing your renditions of Disney music and hearing like all these songs from my childhood and seeing how much fun you guys had like really helped me feel at ease and helped me feel like everything was going to be okay and so I auditioned and I had a great time with the audition and the callback and I've been in the group ever since. That is awesome I love hearing those stories of like what acapella can do for people in terms of that comfort and just feeling maybe even a void at times and I love how you were talking about just that feeling of homesick and hey it's like the group was calling to you almost so it's really exciting I, I love that and for this next question I got which is which is interesting I've been thinking about this with such a unique style such as a Disney themed acapella group and a lot of this I guess might be directed to Orlando, but even Mitch and Jessica, maybe you guys can elaborate on maybe how it pertains to the the group in recent years. But when you think about the early days of the group, or maybe the beginning of your phase with Enchanted, you know, what was it like trying to get buy-in from like an audience, you know, in terms of, hey, we perform this particular style of music. Uh, It's very unique, very different than what you're probably used to, especially with so many other groups at Tufts. What was it like trying to get an audience to buy into that? I think, I mean, a couple things. One, 
we were able to rely initially on, you know, the novelty of it that, you know, such a thing would exist that we were playing in the beginning off this idea when I came to Tufts, every acapella group was marketing itself as like, you know, Tufts oldest all male acapella group, Tufts oldest co-ed acapella group, Tufts, oldest acapella group focusing on this thing. And I was like, everybody had some superlative. I was like, well, we're the most magical acapella group and that's going to be our thing. And, you know, and just go off. And we came up with all sorts of other, you know, kind of alternative. You cannot and beat that right there. The most magical acapella group. And so to, to some True. extent, people, some people must've been looking at it initially, like, is this a joke? Is this a real, you know, acapella group or not? So, you know, I think there was a little bit of shock value, but then also we, we got to borrow a little bit of the enthusiasm for for Disney's material that it really does kind of strike at that nostalgia people kind of want to hear it and we were also able I think as time went on able to gain a little bit of a following from some of the surrounding community although I think that happened a little bit after my time so maybe the other members can speak to that yeah and I'm curious yeah for for both you uh, Mitch and Jessica what's it been like I guess in the recent years now since when you joined the group you know had a little bit of legs underneath it what was it like or what is it like in terms of reactions from the audience or them just appreciating what you're doing what's it been like I joined the group Orlando senior year so by then the group has sort of achieved a little bit of structure and had some had some momentum going and so so I think we were recognized around campus. And so people, some people would like regularly attend our shows. And we did a lot of off-campus performances, especially for kids, because Tufts has the Elliott Pearson School of Child Development. So we would go there sometimes to perform. And in addition to schools in the surrounding community, and so kids, they love Disney, especially like I feel like the more recent movies like Moana mm -hmm. or like Coco, right? And so we would sing like, some iconic songs from these movies like How Far I'll Go from Moana and like first chord these children would just be so excited they would all like turn to one another and be like oh my god it's <laughs> Moana and then they would start singing along and it was just a big like jam everyone would have so much fun just performing to these kids and so eventually we were invited back a lot because these kids really enjoyed these acapella performances and so I think that's yeah that was like another like valuable way to like display our repertoire to the surrounding communities yeah I'm like if you get the buy-in if, if you're able to sell it to kids I'm like that's how you know you made it right there in my, in my opinion I'm like kids are very honest and so that, that makes a lot of sense how about you Mitch because now you're currently in the group what's it been like your experiences yeah so I mean I joined even when Jess was a junior so the group totally had its legs under it. I didn't realize how young Enchanted was as a group until I had been working with them and singing with them for a while. So there were schools and after school programs and other programs at Tufts that kind of invited us to perform every year at large events. And those are definitely the performances that I've always loved the most because as Jess said, the kids just get so excited. We pick our repertoire for that stuff really specifically because we wanna be doing stuff that they'll know and stuff that they'll be really excited about. And that excitement really goes beyond that because last year when we had Frozen 2 come out, which was this long anticipated sequel to like one of the largest Disney blockbusters in modern history, we had so many people who were sort of keeping tabs on like, when are we going to do our arrangement of Into the Unknown? When are we going to do Show Yourself? All these big, like great Idina Menzel songs. And with the semester cut short, we didn't have a chance to unveil those. Those will be coming. They, we, they exist. But that excitement of Disney keeps on this really 
nice release schedule and giving us new music allows us to kind of build excitement and stay with the times and always kind of bring in an audience. I remember when I was a freshman, I think we did uh, what we called an awesome mix medley because it was a handful of songs from Ooh, the nice. Guardians of the Galaxy movie because oh, Disney has, has so many properties that there's there's music that comes from sources that you would never even consider. We've done, uh, we did Immortals by Fallout Boy, which was in the <laughs> Great, which was a phenomenal Pixar wow. film. And Jess was the soloist on that. She did an amazing job. And that, again, sort of speaking, yeah, sort of speaking to the diversity of music that we get to do, we have that, we have classic Disney range. So there's a lot of variety. It really keeps people engaged. We're able to keep up with what's being released on a pretty consistent schedule. And as uh, Orlando and Jess kind of alluded to, Enchanted's really quickly got its feet underneath it and and is really standing strong with the rest of the, the really strong acapella community that Tufts has. Yeah, something that you guys touched on, which I didn't really consider is how great Disney is at just like scheduling things. I'm like, you know that new Disney properties are going to come out on a consistent basis. And that just makes me think about, like you said, you're getting these kind of suggestions and people asking questions. When is this coming out? Does that add any pressure onto the group to just kind of live up to putting out music uh, in a timely fashion? So we have some very prolific arrangers. We sing our own arrangements and a lot of people in the group arrange for fun. And because like we, Disney puts out so much music all the time, I feel like we never run out of things to sing. There's never really, I wouldn't say there's really pressure to like put out content just because people, I I guess maybe it's just like, maybe it's a tough thing, but like, I feel like acapella operates on like a pretty regular cadence and Enchanted hasn't really We've put out one single, but we're still sort of trying to start putting out like digitally like recorded music. And so like all of our music so far has been performed and not recorded. And so maybe that'll sort of come as a challenge to future generations. But at least when I was in the group, I, we, I didn't really feel sort of that kind of pressure. Maybe because like people are a little bit lo- more low key when it comes to Disney. Like nobody's like, you have to sing Into the Unknown or else... <laughs> We're going to stop following you. People are like, oh my gosh, I would really love to hear Into the Unknown. And then when they do hear Into the Unknown, they'd be really excited about it. So so you guys don't have to deal with two hardcore like Disney fanatics coming at you like, hey, w- what's going on here? That's not something you regularly <laughs> I, I think that the Disney fanatics of that sort that we get are mostly under four foot and usually kept, <laughs> usually kept at bay. Uh, you, you could take them, right? Yeah. I think, you know, when it comes to like the, the on-campus community, at least of peers when I was on campus, I think what they find kind of marvelous and what they liked about our, our shows was coming and then hearing songs that they were not expecting to hear or like that they had not heard in a mm. long time and kind of remembering and that kind of like the nostalgia. It's not expected necessarily. You're not coming asking for it, but it's like when you walk in to the room and like your, your nephew or your niece maybe is watching a Disney movie that maybe you haven't seen in a long time and you're just like kids movie in the other room, the adults are over there and you end up standing there watching half of it because you're like <laughs> just drawn into it. I think. Right. It's just kind of that rediscovery um, that I think people appreciate. So to that end, I, especially I think the people in the group who arrange feel the freedom to kind of arrange what they want, what like speaks to them, and to be really creative with their choices, where the, what sources they use for finding stuff. I'm always amazed at what people bring to the group. They're like, hey, 
this is Disney and we can do it. And here's my <laughs> argument for why I love that. Right. Because I was looking at some of you guys' videos and I was like going through the list and I was like, I had no idea that those were Disney songs whatsoever. And I'm like looking at this stuff and I'm like, I don't know as much Disney as I thought I did. So I'm still being educated on all of this. But something else I want to touch on, if I could just uh, maybe pivot just a little bit. Earlier, I think, Jessica, you were talking about, and actually you all have mentioned about the younger audience, you know, performing to, to children and the younger generation. And I'm curious, do you ever find it challenging to performing for an older audience, given the type of material that you all do? I'll say just for like an early story from our group was when we uh, were asked to do a, a guest performance at a burlesque performance on campus at Tufts. And that was one of our first shows. And it was not really the vibe. And I don't think that we were <laughs> able to, to really fill the room with sound the way we might have liked. And, you know, our, our songs might I mean, the theme of the burlesque show was Dirty Disney, so it made sense that they would ask us, but we were a very young group, and be prepared for The Lion King. It just it just wasn't the vibe, and I'm not sure that the audience was there to hear us. I think they were more there to see their peers half naked. Let's try to think. I'm like, what songs fall into that category? I'm like, <laughs> be prepared. Yeah, I can, I can kind of see that. I'd, I'd have to think a little bit more on that. It's so interesting. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, we had, like, you know, some love right. songs, some. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's interesting that yeah you'd find yourself at that kind of event. What about the, the other, both Mitch and Jessica, what do you, is it challenging? Have you ever found it difficult to perform for older audience? Do you feel that, obviously, I guess the response is not going to be the same as a kid, you know, who's all starry-eyed. Oh, I love that track. But is it, does it just feel natural? So there is a certain ease that comes to uh, performing for kids, I think. Enchanted's been asked to do a wide array of things. So we had a performance last year at a senior center, which was sort of a, a new performance for us. It wasn't something that we necessarily did every year, but they reached out and we absolutely wanted to go and sing to them. And so we put a lot of thought into the songs that we choose to perform based on the audience. Like I said, we want to perform things that kids know and sort of classics that they'll recognize. We know that college kids will usually like things that are a little like decom, a little more obscure, like Lemonade Mouth or Camp Rock stuff. <laughs> when we were sort of thinking about songs to perform at the Senior Center, we realized that we really needed just to bring a very performative aspect. We needed to have a lot of energy, which is something that we always pride ourselves on. And we needed to really just have a lot of fun because we were going to, by nature, sort of be inviting them into experience a fair amount of music that they might not be familiar with. So I think we had we had a bit of success with Lion King. Elton John did most of the music for the Lion King. There was some music history overlap there, but we found in the end that it was a successful performance. We had a lot of fun. We brought the energy that we wanted to bring. And if it's not necessarily recognizable, we want to invite our audience to sort of share in this world that we we love really deeply. Yeah, I was also going to comment on that on the senior center performance. I think sometimes with older audiences, it can sometimes it can sometimes be a hit or a miss depending on sort of the repertoire that we have for that particular semester because when we're choosing songs, you know, I feel like many people many members of our group, we sort of like value different aspects when it comes to choosing repertoire. And for me as music director, I'm like, I want a good balance in the set of ballads and bops, hopefully an equal distribution of soloists. Sometimes recognizability comes up and like 
that is also a valid argument. So sometimes we err on choosing songs that are more recognizable as opposed to more obscure songs that sound really fun, but people might not mm. know. When we perform for older audiences, like sometimes they'll recognize it just based on like how we chose our set. But I felt, I felt like most of the times they w- would have enjoyed the music anyway, because it's like when I go to an acapella show, it's not always the case that I know all the songs in their set. But like sometimes I'll be like, oh my God, like that was such a good arrangement. I really love the solo on the song what is it and then sort of dive deep into it more after the performance it was sort of a different kind of excitement like they weren't like children like oh my god I know the song let's sing along it was more like wow this is really cool I want to get up and dance even though I have no idea what this is yes it's not just about the I guess the, the choice itself but the delivery and the arrangement like you're saying and I think it's worth noting which you express very well is that I'm like even with you guys group and your particular focus I'm like you know you still go through the same struggles any other acapella group would go through is not so it's conflict but just the various opinions and the various interests even within such a segmented type of music and it just all comes down to getting everyone on the same page you know making sure the arrangement works for everyone and then of course the delivery which which is something I really want to touch on a little bit more we do have to take our first commercial break but don't go anywhere because we've been speaking with Orlando, Mitch, and Jessica of Tufts Enchanted, and we're going to continue speaking with them right after this break. Every week for an hour, we hand over the keys to the station to, wait, is that right? The listeners? It's true! You, our listeners, can choose what we play for our requests and dedications hour. You can catch it every Thursday at 9 p.m. in the East, 6 p.m. Pacific, and then again on Sundays at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. East, 2 a.m. and 2 p.m. in the West. It's a chance for you to head to our website, pick some tunes that you want to request, or make a dedication. We'll play them right here on our air. And... Welcome back to Talk Appella. Thanks for tuning back into the show. We've been speaking with a current and former members of Tufts Enchanted. We have Orlando, Mitch, and Jessica here. And man, if you haven't been introduced to the idea of Disney Acapella, I would highly recommend it. They have put out some great videos, some great content. And I'm just going to be honest. I'm like, who, who doesn't love Disney? You know, I've said it a lot in the first segment. I'm going to keep saying it. This might be like the easiest acapella group to sell to anyone in the world right here because, <laughs> you know, you just fall in love with those sounds and so before the break we were speaking um, with the group about man just performing for different audiences kind of how do you get buy-in from just whether you're performing for a younger generation older generation and just you know how the group makes it work and something we started to touch on a little bit was the performance part of it and we were talking a little bit about arrangements but I kind of want to go in the direction of the presentation of everything so for the three of you can you share with us what can you expect from a typical enchanted performance mainly as it relates to presentation because there's often a vast amount of theatrics that are involved when it comes to Disney and animated features. Do you all bring any of this to the stage? And with that, a follow-up question, do you present your music any differently at like an on-campus concert versus an off-campus gig? I I feel like yeah, at a typical Enchanted show, we, in terms of appearance, we typically wear black and purple. Those are our sort of performance right. colors. So like, it'll be like black with a splash of purple. Someone will wear like a purple scarf or like a headband or, you know, some sometimes all black, which is what I do, because unfortunately I don't own any purple, which is partially, but I just dress exclusively in darker colors. Um, is, this tr- is this tradition or is it just something that's been done in recent years? I think that's been tradition, yeah. right, Orlando? Pur- no. Purple's the color. Purple's the color. Yeah. Oh, it's wow. like it's, royalty, that's... you know, the vibes. Yeah. Oh, I like it. So, I like it. And, 
whatever black with a splash of is the formula and purple is our yeah. color and if you really yeah. want to spice it up you get a purple shirt hole mm, on jean jacket that's that a good he one. whips out okay trendy i had purple suede shoes at one point and we've and we've passed down some purple ties among among some of the gentlemen in the group oh that was incredible Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was curious about that. Oh, yeah, no worries. So we typically dress, if it's like one of our big shows, so we typically have like a spring show and a winter show. So if these one of these big hour to hour and a half long sets, we'll wear fancy black and purple. And we'll typically do like a few songs, plus a guest act, plus a skit plus the second half, which is like a few more songs. And so like that way we get like sort of a bit of variation in, in between the set. So it's not just people sitting and watching us sing for an hour straight. I feel like this formula is sort of common in a Tufts acapella. Like that's the sort of formula for most shows for other acapella groups as well. And it's worked pretty well for us. Yeah, so for guest acts, we usually would invite other Tufts groups. We've had Tufts Woozy, the Chinese dance club perform for us before, as well as Cheap Socks, comedy group and the skit is one that we write ourselves and sometimes yeah we have like a show theme so like Mm -hmm. one year it was like enchanted presents asmr and our (laughs) skit was just disney characters doing asmr which mitch had a hand in writing so i'm sure he could tell you more about that but it's usually comedic or so we try to make it comedic and is get some laughs going in the audience before we get back to singing i can only imagine what that experience is like Oh, no, I I don't deny that. It's just the thought of I've never heard that pairing before. It's quite impressive. And and I'm curious if you could elaborate a little bit more on the skits, because I know skits are, it's kind of like it's an off and on thing with groups. Some groups are really big on it. They're all about making the show an entire performance and involving skits. And then I think back to my time when I was in a group, we hardly did any skits. It was about the music and, you know, we did a break and then we come right back to the music. So what's it like putting those skits together? And you mentioned the ASMR element. What what other skits were involved? The ASMR sketch was the first one that I wrote and was probably the one that I had the most fun with because we sit around and we kind of toss around show themes at a random rehearsal when when it's time to sort of think about it and get it together because we try and include it in promotional materials too and i'm not gonna remember the exact title but we did a show theme once they're not always so serious we did enchanted (laughs) presents present presence to encourage presence it was enchanted presence so like this is our winter show (laughs) theme Yeah, it was just like, it was about gift giving. Okay, I see it. I'm picturing yeah, it. I got, yeah, I got yeah. it. So, okay. so stuff like that. I, I think that the, the skits are important for our group and our, you know, our format and our audience because they give us a chance to kind of interrogate the material in a, kind of the, an older context. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these are stories from our childhood and, and movies that we've watched when we were younger. And if you want to kind of give the, co- the college commentary, the skits can be really helpful for that. And, uh, okay. and just to kind of also speak to kind of things that would be going on either in the country or on campus that year to kind of make your performances feel relevant to life on campus. Yeah, you know, I think the skits are really useful for that. But, you know, it was just, it's funny, you know, you talk about like the kind of different audiences that we have. Sometimes these audiences clash. We had a show where it was on campus and mostly students, you know, our friends and things like that showing up. But then we had, you know, this family bring their children and like all their friends that had seen us previously and they showed up. And I think I had a line in one of our skits 
that had some curse words and I was about to deliver the line and I'm looking this kid straight in the face in the first, like, I think right in the first row. And I was like, ah, like, like pivot, like right in the middle of the line. Yeah, family uh, friendly, right. Yeah, but I had to keep it family friendly, expecting a Disney show, so. Oh man, that's that's hilarious. And, that, and that's funny because I, you think, I think of so many times when, you know, we debated like, oh, do, do we really say those lyrics or do we, would he change? And I imagine that it's even tougher for you guys to go through with. Oh, that is awesome. Wow. Well, okay. I think I have a really good idea now of how everything functions with Enchanted in terms of what to expect from the performance. So the skits make so much more sense now for me, just because I, I think with a lot of groups, they sometimes they feel random and things, but when you're mm. talking about the relevance and how you guys incorporate them, it all just makes a lot of sense. And it's making me think in order to do some of these skits, man, you have to have some very, very unique individuals, some people with some big personalities and things like that. And it makes me so curious about the group itself and in the people who would join a, a Disney acapella group. And so I'm curious, how would you like describe the overall personality of the group as well as like the culture uh, behind the scenes of Enchanted? I would say that it's constantly evolving. Enchanted, when I joined as a freshman, was definitely you know, very different from Enchanted as a senior. That is not a bad thing at all. It's just something I've observed. Yeah, I feel like we get a ton of different people, introverts versus extroverts, we get both of them. We get a lot of, because a lot of Disney music I feel like is very performative and theatrical. We get a lot of people who are interested in musical theater join us and we get pop singers as well. We get like people who like to rap. Yeah, and it's a very mixed bag, but I think on the whole, the group dynamic is fairly you know we're friendly and we like are definitely friends outside of the group like you know we don't just join enchanted just to sing it's also for sure like don't want to be cheesy but it is a family like we do hang out outside of rehearsals and such and you know play smash help each other with homework that stuff and so yeah mitch what would you say is the vibe i mean i'd say you got it exactly the nail on the head and something that's really sort of highlighted that is the fact that by Tufts University policy and by a fair amount of common sense, we're not really able to get together and sing. And so as a result, we took that element out of our formula to increase university safety and safety for Medford and Somerville, as I know a lot of performance groups at Tufts have had to do. But the family and that community aspect of it is still right there. We've got about a hundred different group chats with various members and alumni, some of them I'm not even privy to. And we have worked really hard to still have get-togethers, do things virtually. The members who are on campus got together about once a month at least last semester to just hang out. We would always, we would end up getting a, a large space in the library and we would go and we would say, all right, we're going to watch a Disney movie and we'd go there and we'd stay there for five hours and we would have so much to talk about that we never even discussed watching a movie. And as Jess was saying, we get, we really get a variety of, of different vocal styles. We have two members right now who are also in Tufts Opera Ensemble. We've had a slew of members now and in the past who have been really involved in musical theater at Tufts. There have been a handful of people like myself who I did a, a little bit of musical theater, but had only ever sung in a choir. And when I auditioned for Enchanted, I, I knew very little about music. I couldn't read music. I didn't know terms like crescendo or legato or really anything about different vocal styles. And so we really pull from a wide background of people. And Orlando can probably speak to the, the fact, I think that's run true for Enchanted 
for a long time is a group that's really dedicated to creating good music, but being maybe even better friends and, and being just true fans of we sing. Yeah, and I feel like that contributes really to, to making the most solid and well-rounded group is that people that have a connection outside of the music. So that, that's wonderful to hear. It was important for the group from the beginning to, you know, really be about being a community, not just a, a group of people who sing. You know, when we were asked what made us, you know, different, why our group should exist, I said, you know, we wanted to provide this space, this specific space, you know, for this community of people who wanted to kind of celebrate that nostalgia, that love for this particular kind of music in this kind of, in this particular space, that it wouldn't be about competition or just producing purely the best, you know, acapella rendition of this song possible, but about creating a, a you know, a bit of a family, which you just said. I, I'm curious with you all just spending so much time during your time with the group, just performing Disney music. Does that increase at all your appreciation of Disney itself? Or does it just kind of remain constant because, you know, it's just kind of been there? Hmm. I think for me, I would say that my appreciation for Disney has increased just because I feel like having sung these arrangements, I can fully appreciate the artistry that goes into composing these songs. And also, like, now I find myself more excited than ever when Disney is coming out with new movies because I'm like, oh my goodness, what can we sing from this new film? Like, I'm so excited to see what new music they've, like, put out. And so in that way, I think, like, my appreciation for Disney has been heightened since being in the group. Yeah. Any comments from Orlando or Mitch on that? Does anything change for you by being in Enchanted when it comes to appreciation for Disney? I think you you come to appreciate what other people get out of Disney and why they come to it. I was going to echo really strongly what Jess said as someone who came to Enchanted because the music just made me feel so at home and at peace and, and really happy. So much of the music that I see getting arranged and that I see us actually singing at times is music that I have never heard because I grew up with some of the, the great kind of blockbuster Disney movies. I love Lion King and I love The Little Mermaid as a kid, but I mean, even one of my favorite pieces that we've ever sung is called Little Wonders and it's from I think the end credits of Meet the Robinsons which was a movie I did not watch as a kid and I absolutely adore that song and it has like just said I keep such a close eye on new music and Disney movies I remember seeing Onward the Pixar film about a year ago and I loved it and I thought it was great and my friends asked me what I thought and I was like it was great it didn't give us any new music to sing but it was so good <laughs> you're still able to enjoy it nonetheless that's awesome and that just made me think of a random I have such a random question just hearing you uh speak now Mitch and I promise this is not part of the rapid fire round yet but what are some of you all's favorite Disney or animated features Ratatouille because it always Ooh. makes me hungry and it has a great message also I think Moana is just holistically like amazing just because of the music and like the visuals like the animation is so beautiful especially how they animated the water I really enjoyed Soul recently I oh, loved Soul great Soul was so yeah. good yeah they really uh, I was very I was stunned I, yep. again no, no, no new music for us unfortunately <laughs> which sucks because it was all about music and like, there's, some, like there's gotta be some beautiful I think we should do like a you know just totally abstract jazz <laughs> I would be on board for hearing cover. something like that beautiful I, I did really enjoy Soul just because it got to explore not only for its ability to explore jazz but I felt like the story was just so on point and not that other Disney properties and features aren't great but the story kind of stood out 
almost a little bit more than even, you know, the music and the feelings you get from the music. So interesting. I, I was just curious about that. And it, it's interesting that you bring up Soul because that's such a newer movie that's just come, recently come out and it's so big right now. And I'm curious on all of you all's thoughts on this ever-changing musical landscape of animated films. It, it feels like with Soul and as you were talking about earlier, Coco, you know, viewers are exposed to a, a new age score, which feels like uncharted territory for Disney. Do you feel when it comes to this newer age of Disney music that it should impact or it is impacting the direction of Enchanted at all? I think that the direction of Enchanted is influenced more by the members that, you know, constitute the group and the music they want to sing than what material Disney puts out. Because as much material as Disney puts out on a year to year basis, and we've talked about that a lot, we got to remember that there are decades of, you know, Disney material that precede Enchanted's founding. And, you know, Enchanted members are constantly back and finding material from those years and pulling it out and showing it to everybody else in the group. So, you know, I'm not sure it's that determinative. <laughs> That makes sense. I agree with what Orlando said a lot because it, it is really member driven. And, and like he says, we have years of sort of backlogged material from before Enchanted was founded to arrange and to work our way through. But it always really excites me to see Disney movies introducing its viewers to a new style of music or something that they would not perhaps have considered because I think Disney has such a broad appeal. And I think really more recently they've been using that viewer base to spread more important stories and and stories that don't get told as often so i think that i mean the average sort of age of a child who would watch a pixar movie is probably not particularly well versed in the very complicated and rich history of jazz and so i think soul a really phenomenal job introducing viewers to that sort of music at the same time as well we're probably not going to do a rendition of one of the beautiful beautiful arrangements that was done by i think john baptiste but it's very exciting to see such a diverse music taste so that when the group wants to get there or when we feel like people want to hear that we can move in that direction and we have so much space to play with that i got, I got a question for for the group maybe if i can you know just that considering soul and the audience it's intended for you know you're saying that it gives like kind of this introduction mitch to, to the younger audience that generally watches pixar or disney movies but you know, when I watched it, my family was saying that, is this movie really intended for children? A lot of the, the ideas and soul about death and dealing with life are way more advanced than the normal kind of fare. And, you know, for a six, seven-year-old child to be kind of comprehending like the, the complex ideas there, is that really the intended audience? And I think it goes back to, you know, the idea of like, what's our audience as Enchanted? But I don't know, what do you guys think? Was he sold, you know, the kind of this on the same plane as say Up or Wally? I was actually going to say the same thing, Orlando. I was going to say like, Soul felt very adult to me. Like it's very existential. You know, you, you watch it and you're like, wow, we all go through this very complex path that is life. And Disney, I think has always been really good about really like making its movies accessible to people of all ages so like us as adults even this has happened to me as well like watching back previous disney movies as an adult i've realized i i sort of i can sort of like interpret these older movies and differently than when i than i was a kid than when i was a child soul is very much 
is a very like geared towards adult movie but at the same time you know the animation and the music there's like a lot going on visually that definitely would appeal to kids I think another good example of this is Zootopia like Zootopia has a lot of very pertinent social commentary that as adults we can pick up on and understand but as children you know like you see Zootopia and you see a story of of a bunny like overcoming all these prejudices to she just wants to be a cop and and you know do good things to do good to the city of Zootopia and that in itself is like still a valuable lesson like any anyone can be anything like that sort of thing and I think that complexity is something that really this is also something that really draws me towards Disney and Disney music yeah and I liked that parallel that Orlando drew towards our audience audience because it's like Disney music is so I feel like can be interpreted in many different ways and so that definitely translates as well through performance yeah I feel so similar to what you to basically everything you just said Jessica because I, I think the the beauty of Disney movies is like what you're saying is they're so accessible to everyone and the fact that they cater Disney has this very unique way of just catering to every audience group and just, you know, the span of an hour and a half and two hours. And not only that, when you talk about timeless, Disney does that so well because you can take one thing as a kid from, say, a movie such as Soul. And then once you, you know, grow up a few years, it gives you something else. And I feel like that's what the, the beauty of it all. And I just discussing these things, especially the, the way you phrased it, Orlando, it's just making me realize so much more about Enchanted. And, and how you guys can cater to an audience. It like brings it all full circle. Like, okay, now it clicks on how this beautiful and this wonderful thing just works because it, it, it does, because there's something in it for everyone. And with that, as much as I love these, this deep conversation we're having, we do have to take one more quick commercial break, but I promise you do not want to go anywhere because we have one more exciting segment coming up on Talkapella with members of Enchanted. Right here. Justin Glodich has done a lot in music, directed a collegiate group, performed on a reality TV show, and now he's in the classroom as a music educator, and he's got a show all about it. Aka Education focuses on how to bring contemporary acapella into music classrooms, and you can hear it right here, Thursdays at 7 p.m. East, 4 p.m. West, and again on rebroadcast Sundays at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. East, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. West. It's also part of the Acaville Podcast Network at podcast.acaville.org. Thanks for joining us back on Talkapella. I've been speaking with Orlando, Mitch, and Jessica, current and former members of Tufts and Chanet. They are a Disney-based acapella group, and what a, a conversation we have been having tonight. It's been just amazing learning about the group, learning about its history, and I love that last segment, how we were able to tie just the current landscape of Disney and just bring it back full circle with how it applies to the performance side of Enchanted, which is, is just beautiful. We're going to keep this show going by one of my favorite segments on the show. This is a round of rapid fire questions. We like to kind of catch our guests off guard, maybe learn a little bit about them and their tastes. And boy, do we have a random assortment of questions for the three of you. So I ask, are you all ready for rapid fire? I oh, think I'm so. ready. Let's do it. Heck yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. And I literally want the first thing that comes to mind. No thinking about this. Here we go. Question number one. What is your favorite non-acapella activity? Photography. Running. Running. Nice. Damn, my, my plan B was running. <laughs> Orlando runs too. So. I run too. Oh man, yeah. I love yeah. this. We got runners on the show. I never, I hardly get to speak to runners. This is great. Awesome. I love running. All right. Question number two, if you had to choose, what animated villain would you say you associate with them? Scar, I'm surrounded by idiots. 
Oh, I was going to say Scar as well. I feel like Scar is very relatable. That's a classic. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Question number three. What animal would you describe as your spiritual animal? The, the question <laughs> as a general matter is a little bit appropriative of like, you know, First Nations traditions and like tribal traditions in the United States. General matter, I I do associate with St. Bernese Mountain Dog. I do really vibe with Bernese <laughs> Mountain Dogs. Just something about them. I, they're huge and fluffy and I kind of, I vibe with that oh okay I, I i actually was asked this i think it was at work like somebody was like hey, what is your spirit animal and i said i don't know so i went online and i took a test one of those quizzes on the a internet BuzzFeed um test. <laughs> i think it was a buzzfeed test it said it said my spirit animal is, is a whale because i don't really know like they're like careful and and very calm yes buoyant um it's a great quality <laughs> yeah i would also say sloth i think that's a little bit because i do like to run but i also really like to take naps so sloth slash koala slash whale which is what the internet told me <laughs> great choice how about you mitch yeah i think for me it would probably the first thing that came to mind is a fox and a fox is my favorite animal so whether it's my spirit animal or not it's there's probably some linkage there nice uh, you took my answer that is also my favorite animal a fox Man, we have so many connections on the show. I love it. All right, question number four. What is your all-time favorite animated film? Oh, my God. Coco. <laughs> mm, it's hard. I, I think Soul uh. Soul actually might be my new one. I think it, oh. it has actually displaced what used to be Wally. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say either Moana or Soul. Nice, good choices. All right, question five. What enchanted arrangement do you or did you enjoy performing the most? Sorry, I take it back on the last question. I want to say Castle in the Sky. I, you know, <laughs> I, I totally neglect. <laughs> I was, I was... <laughs> and the the east generally i'm sorry i should have said castle in the sky anyway sorry thank you for bringing that up orlando because i was going to say howl's moving castle is a very close second mm. yeah but on the subject of the new question definitely little wonders from meet the robinsons there's a recording of it on youtube it pretty much makes me cry whenever i rewatch it i had an absolute blast i'm gonna say bet on it from high school musical 2 which Mitch soloed on, I believe it was last year. That one is always a hit and super fun to sing. I liked our Pirates of the Caribbean medley because I think that was the first time that we did a song that wasn't kind of classic Disney animated. And it, you know, it was a little bit of a bait and switch. And I really enjoyed that one. I beatboxed that one. Some swash oh, nice. buckling bass, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, so I have a side question now after hearing your response, Jessica, because I've never never seen any of the sequels to High School Musical. In your unbiased opinion, as much as you can be, how does mm -hmm. it compare to the, the first one? I, I liked High School Musical 2 a lot better than High School Musical 1. I don't know if this is a controversial opinion. I just thought it was a lot more fun. I feel like Sharpay really grew on me after watching High School Musical 2 because she has, she has a number called Fabulous, which is truly fabulous. And yeah, there were a lot of, there were a lot of bops in that movie, I think, compared to the first one. Like Bet On It, Work This Out, Fabulous. So good. All right. All right. I'll keep that in mind. All right. Next quarantine movie, High School Musical 2. All right. Next question. All right. And I have to make sure I say this correctly. Name one of your favorite dishes that you cannot get in the city where you currently live. I'd say a Philly cheesesteak, probably. Ooh, good choice. Which is not to say they're best in Philadelphia, but you can't get a great one in Boston. <laughs> no? What? Surprising. I'm probably going to say New York pizza, just because I feel like New York pizza is superior to all other pizzas and you cannot get it anywhere other than New York City, so. I'm craving a true Greek 
Giro. I can't get that anywhere really in the U.S. I, there are places, <laughs> but not not accessible to me right now. Is it, the, the closest I can get is I make it myself, which is, you know what? Enough. Nice. I love all of those choices. All right. One of our biggest questions we have on Rapid Fire, cats or dogs? Cats. Dogs. Dogs. I'll say it again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that always brings up the, the contention, you know, it's just always either you're one or the other. <laughs> question <laughs> uh, cats are too nocturnal to me and my sleep is very important oh that's a good point that's a very good point mm. that's really Actually, the only I think problem cats are diurnal which means that i mean they do do zoomies at like 3 a.m but i feel like most cats are most active around the dust <laughs> i'm just hours. saying you're right they are they are diurnal i'm just saying more so the dogs uh, dogs more so are dog. more diurnal than cats are cats got they got the dark vision yes I feel like that makes them cooler though, because they can just see see better in the dark. So. It does make them pretty cool. It's really purely a, it's purely about my sleep. I can appreciate the honesty there. Next question: You're trapped on a deserted island for six months. What animated character would you want to join you? Moana, because I feel like she's really resourceful. I was gonna say Tarzan for a pretty similar reason. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna go with Poseidon from The Little Mermaid. I'd go with the king of the ocean at that point. These are like all resourceful like choices. I, I'm surprised. This is interesting. But Orlando, you're going to be on an island and you want somebody from the ocean to help you survive on, on an island. Or um, to help I, me live in Atlantis. I would love to visit. Nice. They have untold I was wisdom. I he could help you catch fish and just like bring it to you from... Uh. I don't know. I don't know how that that might be political in in terms you of. Think he would just like fork over <laughs> his brethren to this landlubber? No. All... Now he might show me hospitality, but that's another story. Or like I just want kelp, him on my maybe side. Maybe they're all vegetarians and they only eat kelp. Look, Very <laughs> nutritious kelp from the bottom of the ocean. If the island had an equivalent like god deity, I would choose that guy or gal. <laughs> But they don't, so I chose Poseidon. For I think you should choose the, because in Moana, the, the island literally comes alive and blesses her. I feel like that's <laughs> outside the parameters of Brian's question. He didn't ask, he didn't say that it was one of the Moana living islands. That's true, all right. Ah, uh, then I'll, you know what, that's true. In that case, I'll take the animated <laughs> island from Moana. <laughs> oh my goodness. You want an island <laughs> on an island, okay. Man, okay, I didn't know I had to set rules for these questions, but uh, I'm gonna remember that moving forward. I know, boy, I was not expecting that, but okay. I got some knowledge for the future. All right, next question. What is the best show to watch on Netflix? Oh, this is hard. Sorry, The Last Airbender. I just finished that. Great show, I agree. It is so good. All of Enchanted, well, I can't, I can't say All of Enchanted. So much of current Enchanted loves that show. It is quite, quite good. It's very sad that it is technically mm. a Nickelodeon show. We talk about that about once a semester. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. I will say, I don't know about best, but I'm going to put a pitch in for The Good Place. I really enjoy it. I think it really, you know, spoke a lot to my humanity. I like that show a lot. That show held yeah. up throughout its, throughout its entirety. That was such a great show. Yeah. They knew that where they were going. That my answer. That show, <laughs> that, really? Oh my God. Yeah, I was going to say The Good Place. I, I concur. All right. Final question. If your life was made into an animated film, what would be the title? Huh, this is hard. Beanstalk. Bean, <laughs> wait, did you say beanstalked or beanstalk? Beanstalk. Beanstalk. 
Being yeah. tired, being stalked as well. I had some questions if it was being stalked. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not like a creeper being thriller. Stalked. I'm tall and thin, stalked. and I'm a being stalked. Yeah, that, that, that. Well, because if you were going to animate me, how would you make yeah. me distinctive? Oh. I would be like this wow. long, reedy character. I'm just. That's how I envision it. That's well thought out. Okay, nice. I don't know. I feel like being stalked is a pretty good answer because I can really clearly <laughs> visualize it. I feel like my life animated series slash film would just be called like she's trying just because like I'm, I am trying <laughs> and I will continue to try that is all nice I keep thinking about how Orlando is so well encapsulated how he'd be animated and I have a lot of friends who tell me that if I were animated I'd look a lot like Dash from the Incredibles uh, yeah. um, wow. so which huh. is you know depending on how you feel about the Incredibles a glowing compliment or an absolutely <laughs> heinous insult um, <laughs> so, uh, but I, I really love being Incredibles. I might go with Incrediboy, even though that was Syndrome's vil- that was his name when he was a kid. So maybe it'd be a villain mm. origin story, but there's Ooh. still time for me. So it's just getting a <laughs> Disney Plus spin-off show. You heard it here first, folks. Oh, I wish. Man, if you all could write letters to Disney, just send them some emails going around my original Disney Plus show. You just gave us the next hit right there. It's awesome. Well, thank you all for uh, those wonderful answers. I'd rather enjoy that round of rapid fire questions. I, I learned a little bit more and I was entertained throughout. So thank you. We always like to wrap up the show with a, a tradition around here. We always like to ask our guests to leave our listeners with something that they can walk away from the show with. And so we pose that question to you. If you could offer our listeners some advice, what would you say? I would say engage in your community. It's really important to kind of really step forward and to participate uh you know reach out to those people around you hold them up you know let them hold you up and and you know do something do something for the people around you participate uh, i think it's important and that's uh, at its core i think that's what enchanted i hope was ended up being about yeah i that's a that's a re- that's really good advice i think for me it would literally just be to try to like live in the present this is very open-ended generic advice but i feel like just given the circumstances that we're in like i really miss my time in enchanted and was really sad that it was cut short even though that was necessary but yeah i just like you know treasure the little moments and live in the now and stop worrying about things because that is not productive yeah wonderful and kind of a similar vein take care of yourself, find ways to do the things that you love. I know that it was really tragic when the semester was cut short for colleges across the country and and across the globe and that what that meant for acapella groups. And I know that right now I've had a much harder time not singing than I thought I would. I I never really gave singing as much credit for my mental health and well-being that it deserved. So find ways for that joy, take care of yourself, find what makes you happy and, and work it into your life. There is room. That is excellent advice from all three of you all. I think that's exactly what everyone needs to hear right now. So we really appreciate those words. For our listeners out there who might want to learn more about Enchanted, learn more about any projects you all are associated with, where could they go? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give some some social media plugs. We're at www.tuffsenchanted.com. We have a wonderful website that was put together largely by Jess, who's joined us here. Instagram, we're at Tufts Enchanted. We've got a Twitter that the group let me get my hands on. So I tweet periodically, and I believe that's at Tufts Enchanted as well. As far as projects go, we have a profile. We have one single out now, 
part of your world, which is uh, two years old now, but we've spent a lot of this break working with recording studios and, and getting some stuff up. So in really in the next month or so, there should be some activity. There should be a new single up. This is pretty much the first public announcement we've made about it. So if you're following us for the first time, there's a little tidbit, but absolutely keep your tabs on uh, Tufts Enchanted on Apple Music or on Spotify, pretty much wherever you stream. There will be some new stuff coming your way and we're really, really excited to share it with you. Perfect. Any Anything else that needed to be plugged? General plug did for you... democracy. Oh, yeah. Follow oh, us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook page. <laughs> That's where we make most of our accounts. Awesome. <laughs> well, definitely be sure to go uh, check out those social channels. I would highly recommend checking out the content by Enchanted. I listened to their track, Part of Your World. It is incredible. So definitely go give it a listen. And that same vein, we also want to make sure that we tell you all that Tacapella has a Twitter account. Go give us a follow at Tacapella 2Ps, 2Ls, as well as check out our website at tacapella.org to hear previous episodes. And you'll be able to hear this episode in the coming days as well. And on that note, be sure to check me out on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I, and go check out all the work that I do at College Acapella. We want to thank the members of Tufts and Chanet so much for their time tonight. We've, we've been speaking with Orlando, Mitch, and Jessica. They are wonderful guests. I've enjoyed the time. I've enjoyed learning so much about the group and learning so much about each of you. And we just really appreciate you all joining us tonight. Of course. Thank you so much. Yeah, not a problem. We also want to remind you, go be, be sure to go check out Acapella Radio. They are the wonderful platform through which the show streams through and that's going to wrap up tonight's episode of talk appella for everything else stay tuned